0: Sometimes dreams come true. Is that true? How many of you have had a dream and that it actually became a reality? Uh, I have had several, several dreams, and some of them have been uh, troubling. Uh, Sometimes uh, the Bible calls dreams visions if they are from God. I remember one time I had a church member. His name was uh, Eric Taylor. Eric was one of those wonderful, wonderful deacons. Um, we had a large church, 650 members, and Eric was a farmer. And you can count on him having the church open when it needed to be open, either warmed up or cooled down, the doors taken care of when you left. You didn't have to worry about a single thing and then I got word that he had an accident and the was he was driving his tractor somehow the rake in the back caught on a large boulder and the tractor came up and fell on him and I was uh, sick at heart uh, he and his wife Bertie Bertie was the deaconess as well and Bertie again wonderful wonderful people and I rushed to the hospital and I saw Eric with a cast on his leg and a cast on his arm and uh, he he had had a crushed chest ribs were broken etc and I remember asking Eric Eric how you doing and he lifted up his uh, finger and and pointed to something which was pasted right at his uh, by his feet there was a little sign that he had to put up. Uh, There's nothing that happens to me that the Lord and I can't handle together. That was such a inspiration. And I went home that night. I had a, a dream or a vision. And I saw him in a casket. For me, it was comforting. And I called his son. And I said to, to Charlie, I said, Charlie... The Lord has revealed to me that your dad is not going to make it but the good thing about it is that he is in the hands of the Lord so Charlie said thank you so much for those comforting words to know that my dad is in the hands of the Lord and the when the funeral took place the place where I had seen him in the vision was exactly where we had the funeral. So, there are dreams that do come true. I'm going to tell you about a specific dream found in the Bible. You notice that we've been dealing with the New Testament, correct? Yes? And tonight I'm going to shift and show you from the Old Testament a, a prophecy that that's been registered there, and it, it's in the form of a dream. And for those of you who have studied this particular subject before, you may think you have heard it all, but tonight you may discover that you'll hear some more. The prophecy is, is uh, found in Daniel chapter 2, and uh, it goes through the whole chapter. So let's pray together as we consider the word. Father in heaven, once again, we thank you for all that you reveal in your word. And you have told us that that which you reveal is for us, and that which you do not reveal is not for us. So we're grateful for that which is ours, and we pray that you'll give us understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. In chapter 2 of Daniel, we find there a dream about Babylon. Babylon. In the old days, the Iraq was actually called Babylon. And I put a picture here together of a map. Because prior to uh, the division of Iran and uh, Syria, etc., there was something called the Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia actually took up uh, Iraq, it took up Iran, and it took up Turkey. But after that, they got divided and... Uh, There you can see Iraq, but it's not called Iraq, it's called Babylon in this map, because I got an ancient map, so you can see the actual names of those places. And if you can see Nineveh, Nineveh today is called Mosul. What is it called? Mosul. And Mosul was recently in the news, because you remember ISIS had come and conquered Mosul, and then the Iraqis went and liberated Mosul. So, Mosul is Nineveh. That's where Jonah went to preach. So, it's good to get a perspective as to what really was taking place. Now, in Iraq, ancient Iraq, several things have happened. In ancient Mesopotamia that included Babylon or Iran, etc., Turkey, several things actually happened in those areas. First of all, the Garden of Eden was in that locality. We do not know precisely where, uh, but we know that it was over there. We know that the Tower of Babel that's registered in Genesis chapter 11 was also uh, in that vicinity. Uh, In fact, many people thought that the Tower of Babel was only a story made up, But a few months ago, they actually did find a tablet with the picture of the Tower of Babel on it that came from that location. So now, the archaeologists have confirmed that the Tower of Babel actually did exist. So what the Bible says is true. It just takes time for it to be realized. Abraham came from Babylon, Or from Ur of the Chaldeas. Uh, Jacob got his wife from Haran. And now Haran is today in Turkey. But in those days was a part of Mesopotamia. Then of course you have Jonah that went to preach in Mosul. uh, And it used to be called Nineveh. Daniel the prophet had his visions there. And the wise men that brought gifts to Jesus actually came from the east. And according to the Bible, you can see uh, Genesis 29, Isaiah 41, verse 2, it calls Babylon the king of the east. So the east then uh, was where Iraq was. The, the, uh, the, that part of the world then played a very important part in biblical history. And as I said, what's happening recently is that all of these new archaeological findings are simply confirming the reality that what God had inspired the writers to write actually did happen. For a long time, there was a lot of question. uh There were people who were saying, scholars who were saying, no, that didn't exist. There's no proof that it existed. We can't find it, so the Bible is wrong. Well, now they recognize that the Bible was not wrong, but they were wrong in making the statement the Bible was wrong. So I'm pr- I praise God for all the things that are being revealed in these recent findings. What do you say? All right, now, Nebuchadnezzar was a king of Babylon in the other dream. Nebuchadnezzar was a man who uh, was a very proud man, and he somehow believed that his empire would be the final empire on the earth and we know that to be true because again archaeologists have discovered that but he had a dream and you can read about the dream in Daniel chapter 2 I won't take time to read all the dream but I will simply just tell you this that there was a young man named Daniel and three other young men who were captives and had been made eunuchs from Judah so these boys were from Judah and uh the King Babylon used to try to take the choicest young people from the places that he would conquer and get them castrated, then train them and make them officials in his kingdom. So he tried to pick the best brains, best minds. And it's interesting that he was not choosy as to who he put in place. His concern was that they had the ability to help him with his kingdom. And so Daniel happened to be one of those. And uh, when the king had the dream, he first went to his counselors that are made up of different people. And these counselors were not able to tell the king what the dream was. He couldn't remember the dream. And so he went to them and said, I had a dream and I want you to tell me the dream. Well, they couldn't tell him the dream. So they said, look, you tell us the dream. We'll tell you the interpretation. And Nebuchadnezzar got upset because he figured out that they were lying all along. So he said, really, if you are who you claim to be and do what you claim to, to have been doing, then you should be able to give me the source as well as the what I have dreamt. Well, they said, look, king, you are asking too much. Nobody asks a wise man such a thing. This, this, this mystery is with the gods. Well, he got angry and decided to get rid of all of them and of course, unfortunately, because Daniel and the boys were part of the wise men. And for some reason, they were not there at that meeting. They were going to lose their lives as well. And when the when the head guard came to Daniel, Daniel said, "What? why is the king so hasty? And then the guard said what was taking place. And Daniel said, look, just give us uh, uh, some time tonight and we can get the answer for the king. Well... He was excited, but I'm sure that he waited to make sure that he can get the evidence. So that night, the Bible reveals that Daniel and his, and his friends got together and prayed. And friends, I don't know about you, but I have found to be, to, to I have found that prayer is the that which links me to heaven, and I love to pray. I love to what? I pray. This morning, I got up at four in the morning. What time? Four in the morning and it's always a delightful thing to be able to talk to the Lord and so Daniel prayed and when Daniel prayed God answered because he prayed in faith and when we pray we also ought to pray in faith believing that God can hear us listen if you can believe that this thing can get you to communicate with somebody in Russia then you should believe that the one in heaven can get you to communicate with the universe. What do you say? Amen. And so, God then wants us to communicate with him. He loves to hear us talk to him. And he loves to answer. I can tell you many, many answers that the Lord has given to me. Well, Daniel did get the answer. And he told the head guard, and the head guard went and boasted that he had found somebody that could give him the answer to his dreams. And so Daniel said to the king, what you have seen, God has revealed that what's going to take place is what will happen all the way up to the end. So God has given you a picture of from your time to the latter days. To what days? the latter days well Nebuchadnezzar I'm sure he was sitting on the edge of his throne seat as Daniel began to unfold unfold that particular dream and so here's what the, the actual Bible reveals then in this particular dream notice it says O king saw and beheld an exceeding statue that stood there this image that you saw was made of gold, silver, iron, and brass. Can you see that? And while you were watching, a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, and the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like the shaft from the summer's threshing floors. The wind carried them away, that there was no trace of them found, and the stone that was that struck the image became a what? A great mountain and filled the whole earth. So that was the actual dream, and I'm actually uh, quoting or reading to you from chapter two. If you have your Bibles open to Daniel chapter two, you can see chapter two, and you can see then how Daniel went in and we're reading from verse uh, 31 through verse 36. Can you see that? You king saw and behold a great image, this great image. Do you see that? Daniel chapter 2, verse 31, 32, 33, 34. And so the king must have been spelled down as Daniel very clearly outlines the precise dream that he had. It must have been spooky to uh, to this king, because I've known people who are atheists. Uh, one time, I had a, a a soldier that was stationed with me in Korea, and he was an atheist. He was always making fun of me, and trying to ridicule me, until one day I had to go down to Seoul, Korea, and he was a blizzard outside, and he had to go take care of some business. But he was afraid to go because it was this blizzard, snow, snow blizzard. Well, I, I said, well, I need to go anyway because I'm going to church. How are you going to get there? I said, I don't know, but I pray that God will will provide a way. He said, sure. So, because I went, he decided to go with me. He said, okay, I'll come along with you. As soon as we got to the to the gate of the of the base there, what is supposed to happen? A lone taxi shows up. And asked if we needed a ride. There was no one in sight. Nobody outside of their home. But just a single taxi showed up. And when we got in the taxi. He was quiet. He was what? He was quiet. When we got to Seoul. We had to get another taxi to go west. And he said now what are you going to do? I said I'm going to pray again. And again he said what? Sure. As soon as we got out of the taxi. Guess what happened? Another taxi came up. And when we sat in, he said, this is spooky. (laughs) So the king must have been shocked with the revelation of Daniel. But Daniel gave him precisely what he had dreamt. But it was not sufficient just to give the dream. Now it's important to give the interpretation because that's what the king wanted. He wanted to know the dream and what? Its interpretation. And so Daniel then began to give the interpretation. You can read the interpretation from verse 36 to 45. Let's look at it in the Bible. Notice then in verse 36, it says, This is the dream and we will tell the interpretation thereof uh, before the king. You king uh, are a king of kings for the God of heaven. have given thee a kingdom and power and strength and glory. And wheresoever... The children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heavens. Have he given into thine hand and have made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this what? This head of gold. You see that? In other words, the head of gold that was on that image represents you. Then it continues. And after these shall arise a what? Another kingdom. So please notice. That God has revealed to Nebuchadnezzar in a dream kingdoms, not just kings, but what? Kingdoms. Nebuchadnezzar represented the Babylonian kingdom, but there was going to be another kingdom, which I'm sure displeased Nebuchadnezzar. But let's continue. It says that this kingdom will be inferior to thee. And another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth, and the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas you saw the feet and toes, part of of clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be what? Divided. But there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou saw the iron mixed with miry clay. And as, the, and as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly what? Broken. And whereas you saw iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of man, but they shall not what? What's the next word? They shall not cleave one to another. In other words, when the, the last kingdom the, of uh, iron is broken up into iron and clay, they will be able to still mix together, but they could not become one again. Do you see that? So they would they could not cleave one to another. Then it says, uh, and in the days of these kings, the kings of iron and clay, the God of heaven... Shall set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the great, and the silver and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass when? Hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation what? There was no doubt in his mind. Babylon had become one of the wonders of the world. It had hanging gardens. In fact, we understand that in those days, the equivalent of a small apartment of 10 by 10 uh, was worth about $2,000 a month. So we're talking about uh, a metropolis that had been built by Nebuchadnezzar, and he loved gardens he loved beauty and so he built babylon to be a beautiful place there was a river that passed right through the the city called euphrates and there were gates that would protect the the city from any intrusion uh over those rivers now they recently found tablets and these are letters from nebuchadnezzar and these are business tablets okay And what's interesting about these business tablets is that they actually show what was going on at the time of Nebuchadnezzar, the kind of business that was going on. More interesting than that, it reveals that on one day there's a name of Nebuchadnezzar, on the next tablet there's a name of a different king, Cyrus. Very interesting. Because according to the Bible, Nebuchadnezzar would fall to the Medes and the Persians. And Cyrus was the one who conquered the Babylonians. And the only people that died on that day was the king and those who were serving the king. So the next day, the business tablets continued, but the name of the king changed. From Nebuchadnezzar to um, um, Belshazzar, pardon me, to Cyrus. Interesting. But this is this is what Nebuchadnezzar had had imprinted on the back of every tablet. Notice what it says: May it last for how long? Forever. That's what this uh, writing in the back. May it last for how long? So, as far as he was concerned, he was the mighty ruler of the of the world, and his kingdom would last for how long? Forever. How shocking! King, it must have been to him to discover that God had given him a dream to reveal that his kingdom was not going to last for ever. But that his kingdom will be taken over by an inferior kingdom. Even that must have been kind of, quote, a slap in the face. Because imagine that an inferior kingdom toppling a superior kingdom. Well, that doesn't make sense in his mind since he was a mighty conqueror. But that's what happened. So, the Bible reveals then that the head of gold represented the kingdom of Babylon. But then another kingdom will take place. And what I'm showing you there is the territory that they actually controlled. So, the Babylonian kingdom controlled what is called Mesopotamia. Okay. And it goes all the way down almost to uh, Egypt. Can you see that? Okay. Right up there. You see that red there? That red is covering Iran, uh, Turkey, and all the way down to Israel, touching uh, obviously Egypt. Okay. But God said and revealed that that kingdom would not last forever; that an inferior would take take him over, and the Bible had predicted. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldees, excellency shall be as when God overthrew Sodom. And Gomorrah. It shall never be what? Inhabited, neither shall it be dwelt in from generation to generation. You know what's amazing? Is that when America attacked Iraq and, and uh, toppled, uh, Saddam Hussein, they actually went down to that place called Babylon and they discovered that Saddam Hussein was trying to rebuild Babylon. and they discover that nobody lives there so even up to today what god said 600 years before christ how long 600 years before christ is still the same today so when god predicts something it will happen okay but listen there's another empire and that empire would be the mission of Persians so what happened was that Cyrus I can't tell you all the story but there's a lot of interesting things about history Cyrus then who was a half Babylonian and half Mede uh, Persian uh, he was supposed to be he was the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar but he was ostracized because he was a half breed and he went to Persia and uh, uh, was able to put together a large army And then came back to Babylon and took the place that he was supposed to have to begin with. So it was with the Persians and the Medes that got together and conquered Babylon that that night. And so Medo-Persia then, it's interesting that Babylon loved gold. Nebuchadnezzar loved gold. But the Persians did not like gold. They preferred silver. So it's interesting then that God identified them as a silver kingdom because it turns out that the Persians loved silver. Okay, After that, another kingdom would take over and that kingdom was of brass. How many of you know your history about Greece? You know that when Alexander the Great was around, it was called the Bronze Empire. The what? The Bronze Empire. And so... According to the Bible, brass or bronze would be the next kingdom. And we know then that it was smaller. Greece was much smaller than meat and Persians. And so, however, Alexander came to, to, into his position and he went conquering. And he conquered the known world by the time he was 35. Unfortunately, um, he, he believed somehow that he was a god. And what's interesting is that when he went to Jerusalem... Uh, the priest, the, the, the Jewish priests went to meet him. And you can find that in history, okay? And, and in that meeting, the priest revealed to Alexander that he had been written about in the Bible. So what Alexander then did was exonerated the priest and all that because he liked the fact that, that uh, they knew that he was somehow... Uh, a divine being it, that's what he interpreted but unfortunately he died and his kingdom was divided into four and then they could not stand together and finally a, a fourth kingdom came into be an iron kingdom and that iron kingdom became the roman empire so you can see now how far alexander had gone all the way from Greece and way over, over toward China, okay? So, pardon me, India. And so he almost conquered in India, but what happened was that there he got wounded and his soldiers got angry that they wanted to go back home. They hadn't seen their loved ones for three years on this pursuit of conquering the world. And they insisted that they were not going to continue on. Alexander ordered them to, and they resisted. And so then he made believe that he had to go talk to the gods. He came back and he said, okay, you guys are right. The gods agree with you that we should go back. But it was not his intent to go back. He only did that because he wanted to uh, not lose face. But what he did was he marched them through, rather than going through the fertile crescent, which is what's up above, plenty of water and vegetation and all that, he marched them through the desert with the intent of getting rid of as many as possible and so in that march he had at least twenty-five thousand of his soldiers die that's the way he wanted to punish them for not yielding to his demands anyway the lord reveals then that the fourth kingdom would take a place and so on june 22 168 years before christ at the battle of pitna the empire of alexander Perish 144 years after his death, so the empire actually lasted 144 years. It was during that time, by the way, that's interesting that that uh, the Greeks the Greeks enforced that everybody had to speak the language of Helen. So it was Hellenized. Everybody in that empire had to speak the language of Helen. Well, what's interesting is that the Jews then found themselves in a tight spot because their kids now could not learn Hebrew because by law they could only speak the language of Helen, which was Greek. And so what they did then, since their kids were not able to read Hebrew anymore because it was against the law, they translated the Bible into Greek. And that's the Bible, the Greek Bible that was available when Jesus came to the serve, so now you had the Hebrew Bible, and you had it's called the Septuagint. What is it called? Septuagint Bible. So now you had the Greek Bible, you had the Hebrew Bible. The older people could read Hebrew. The rabbis and all that taught the Hebrew, but the kids were only speaking Greek. That's correct. Just like over here, it's not a law in America, but they say if you speak three languages, you're trilingual. If you speak Two languages you're bilingual if you speak one language you're an american okay so anyway <laughs> the, the reality is that when we were kids many of us it was not safe to speak another language because we didn't want to be considered immigrants etc and i remember my wife's poor father who his her grandfather was german okay but he did not teach my father-in-law german because in those days it was not safe to speak german because if you did you were a nazi okay so a lot of people did not learn any other language then what than english and so that's what happened with the it, the it was not the same situation but anyway the same thing happened they could only learn greek well god said then that another kingdom would come of, of, of iron And it's interesting that the Romans uh, used iron for their spears, for their swords, for their armor. They used iron for everything. So, each metal identified precisely the kingdoms. The Greeks loved bronze, Brass. Alexander's mail, I'm talking about his armor and all that, was made of brass. His helmets were brass. And... uh, they actually polished the brass one time to blind the enemy with the sun so that they could conquer the enemy. So anyway, all of these metals perfectly identified these coming kingdoms. So you must you have to ask the question, how did these people, Daniel in particular, how was he able to foretell what would happen for centuries and centuries and centuries? How was it possible? somebody from where from above had to tell him okay and so precisely well we continue because the time is running out so now the roman empire is in charge of the world the known world and this is the time when our savior was born and died and was crucified and this is where christ had the victory in the spot that was supposed to be the hardest iron In the mix of iron, a simple cross gave the victory to our Savior. So you have the Babylon, the Persians, Greece, Rome. But then the, the last kingdom. Question with the last kingdom. Who conquered ancient Rome? Who conquered ancient Rome? Babylon was conquered by the Meats and the Persians. The Meats and the Persians were conquered by the Greeks. The Greeks were conquered by the Romans but the Bible reveals that the last one would not be conquered it would be divided so the answer is nobody conquered Rome Rome divided and fell interesting isn't it what do you say so when Rome fell then the Bible says that ancient Rome was not conquered it was divided from within And ancient Rome then became what we know today as the divided nations of Europe. If you travel throughout Europe, as I do, you can always find, in England, you'll find remnants of the Roman Empire. In Spain, you'll find remnants of the Roman Empire. We just had a young man that we went to his graduation, actually, we didn't go to the graduation, we went to his recital, he's a violinist, and he was going to go to Spain. So we said to him, you're going to go to Spain. Where are you going? Segundo. Okay, you're going to go between Valencia and Barcelona. I said, make sure you go to the Roman amphitheater. that was built by the Romans. It's still used by the Italians to do operas. So you can go there. My wife and I went there. And it's quite interesting. This thing was built by the Romans centuries ago. And it's still being used today. You go to, to Poland. There are remnants of the Roman Empire in Poland. You go to Germany. Remnants of the Roman Empire in Germany. You go to Norway, they're remnants of the Roman Empire in Norway. That's why they said all roads lead to Rome. Because Rome made sure that they can connect all of the European nations and make it possible for them to swiftly go through these roads to get to do what they needed to do to preserve their interests. And so now you have the Roman Empire, but now it is what? Divided. It is divided into ten. Into how many? Ten empires. All right. And those ten empires, the names, you can see them there. Uh, the Bissigoths, the Ostrogoths, the Suebis, the Franks, the uh, Herolites, the, Illumina- the uh, Anglo-Saxons, the uh, Alemanni, and all of these names today are the Germans, the French, the uh, Spanish, the, the uh, British, uh, the Italians etc in other words today we have different names for them and in the beginning those were the old-fashioned names okay so Rome divides then but the Bible says then that the feet represent the division of Rome it's no longer a solid iron now it is mixed with iron and clay and it says that some will be weak and some will be what strong and so it is today you have some countries in Europe that are strong in some countries in Europe that are what? they are weak. Okay. So what the Bible says is true. And here are the names with the new names as well. Okay. Now, what's interesting is that God said, Whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of man, but they shall not what? Cleave one to another. It's amazing then that for all these centuries, since the Roman Empire fell in 476, what year? 476 since the, the division of the Roman Empire all right these kingdoms have lived together next to each other and uh, they have not been able to join back together again Humpty Dumpty could not be put back together again okay he sat on the wall he had a great fall and all the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty back together again how many of you remember that all right so it, it, it's, it's interesting then that what God predicted precisely happened. Well, we're talking about a sweep of centuries of what God predicted would happen, and just as God predicted it, so it happened. But listen, we still have the last part. The last part is that they will not creep together, but there would be an attempt to bring them together, and there have been several attempts. Uh, we know Charlemagne tried to reunite Europe and he, he deluged, uh Europe in blood. We know that Charles V tried to reunite Europe. This is Spain. And he ended up synchronizing clocks in the monastery. We know that uh, Louis XIV of France tried to reunite Europe and the same thing, there was a lot of bloodshed. Napoleon Bonaparte also attempted to reunite Europe. Now what's interesting with some of these people is that they knew something about the Bible. Napoleon was a man who believed in God and who believed in creation. One time his uh, naval officers were arguing about uh, that there was no God. And he overheard them and so he came down in the midst of them and he simply said, Sirs, look up there. And he pointed to the stars. And then he said, tell me who put them there. And then they walked away. So he was a man who understood something about the scriptures. He read the scriptures. Columbus was a man who read the scriptures. Did you know that? Did you know that you can actually order his commentary on the book of Re- Revelation on Daniel? Do you know that? Yes or no? They've been translated from Spanish then into English. So these people were people who understood something about the Bible. And Napoleon specifically knew he was defying God. He was defying who? God. And when he failed, he simply says, "He before his uh, fall, he said, Providence is on the side with the heaviest artillery. Okay? But, when Waterloo happened, he said, God Almighty has been too much for me. So who did he give the credit for his fall? God. God Almighty has been what? Too much for me. See, he thought that because he had the heaviest artillery, it was a dumb deal. With the British, he he would just blow them to smithereens. So he had huge, huge cannons. However, what happened was that when he went to Waterloo, it's interesting that it says Waterloo, because that's what happened. His cannons could not be moved because it poured so much rain. That his cannon sunk in the mud. And because the cannon sunk in the mud. He could not move them. And he lost the battle to. England. Okay. Well. There was another one. Uh, Kaiser. Wilhelm Kaiser. He decided he would reunite Europe however kaiser was a protestant who was well acquainted with daniel chapter 2 with what so he knew that god had said they shall not what but he determined he was going to unite them and he failed in fact it's interesting there was a this bust of daniel in the in the uh outside of the cathedral and every time he walked by it, he hated it because it reminded him of what the Bible said in Daniel chapter 2 because this was Daniel's bus. So you know what he did? He made an agreement with the bishop of the cathedral that if he would cut off the head of that bus that he would put a new roof on his church. And so, they did that. They cut the head off of Daniel and he got a new roof on the church. However, when the communists came and conquered that area, they found this head and they found out what it belonged to, so they glued it back on. So there you have it. Can you see the line? Okay. So they actually glued it back on, not knowing that they were putting Daniel back together again. All right. So it's amazing. Hitler also tried, didn't he? He tried to conquer the world. Hitler was also acquainted with the, with the word of God. And he thought that he would try to reunite Europe. However, we know he failed. This is a prominent, the place where he would march his army every time he had a victory. I've been there. My wife and I have walked on those parade grounds and the buildings were mammoth. This building could house 40,000 people. How many? 40,000 people. And uh, so he had in his mind that he would be the final ruler of the world. But God has said one small verse. They shall not what? Clave one to another. And so it was. Here's that building. You can see how small the cars are. Can you see that? I don't know how good your eyesight is. But can you see the little cars there? You can see how large this building is. All right. So he built this mammoth thing. And, uh, this is where he would stand and he'll hold up his arm as the armies would march there and the dignitaries would sit on this, on this, uh, on this, these bleachers. But obviously, it didn't work because God had said it. Then, Vladimir Lenin, what did he say? We will conquer the world for communism. We will bury you in America. Well, he's the one that's been buried, not America. The reality is that the Bible has said they will not what? They will not cleave. And so one little verse has failed the mightiest conquerors of our history. Of the world history. Which gives us confidence that if God says it, we can count on it. What do you say? But listen. The final end is revealed Today, there's been another move to unite Europe. And the other move is called the European what? Union. And it has how many stars? Do you know that? It has 12 stars. You know why it has 12 stars? Do you? Well, I'll tell you why it has 12 stars. Uh, I have a friend who was studying international law in Europe. And there was a meeting of the union and people had opportunity to ask questions. She, since uh, she w- was studying international law, she attended the meeting. And finally, when the question time came, she asked the question, uh, are you gonna do like America does? So every time they have another state, they add another flag, uh, pardon me, another star to the flag. And they said, no, 12 stars. So then they had the question, another question, another questions, and then she raised her hand again. And she asked a question, Does this have anything to do with Mary? Virgin Mary? And they said, Yes. But then they wouldn't let her ask any more questions. And afterwards somebody came to her and said, You know too much. And she said, Well, it's because I know the Bible. Here's what's happening, just so you understand what's going on. It so happens that Strasbourg, which used to belong to Germany, today belongs to France. Germany was punished, and they gave Strasbourg to Germany to France as a reward for siding with the Allies. Okay, so today Strasbourg is on uh, with France side. But the patron saint of Strasbourg is Mary. Who? Mary. Why am I mentioning Strasbourg? Because that's where the Union building is built. The European Union building is in Strasbourg. But it's something that you perhaps don't notice. Do you notice the round circular shape of the building? You know why that's built that way? It's built that way to represent the Tower of Babel. To re- represent what? The Tower of Babel. Now this is a, a painting by Peter Bruegel who painted in the 16th century of the, of the Tower of Babel. And this is the Tower of Babel being erected today. And if you notice here's the painting of Peter Bruegel. Can you see that there? Huh? And here's the Tower of Babel being built by, and it's left unfinished. Can you see that? Suggesting that they still are going to continue building it. So The European Union is actually trying to reunite Europe. And they they were doing it this time with money. With what? With money. Question is, have they succeeded? No. By completing the tower, see the crane, the European Union seeks by the slogan, many tongues, one voice, to reverse God's judgment in Genesis 11, 5 to 9. When God divided one vo- one language into many they're trying to reverse that and make many languages one voice but you and i know that the european union is in trouble so europe many tongues one voice now do you see their their uh, emblem there what's in the middle of Babel. okay now what's wonderful is this jesus said Because he's the one giving the prophecy to Daniel. In the days of these kings, the feet of iron and clay, the God of heaven will set up his kingdom. So we are actually living in the days of feet of iron and clay. By the way, from clay you get silicon and you get aluminum, a new metal that did not exist before. Correct? So now you have iron and clay mixed together. In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom We shall never be destroyed. We are living in the tippy toes of the image. This complements Revelation that reveals to us that we're living between verse 13 and 14 of chapter 6. How much time we have on this earth, I don't know. The good news is that God is in control. What do you say? I I think a lot of people are nervous about what's going on. But remember this. Do not put your trust in man who cannot save. You need to put your trust in God who can save. How many of you are grateful tonight to see that in Bible prophecy God reveals that He is in control? Would you raise your hand to that? I also, I'm so grateful To know that Jesus is coming. You see, the next thing that will happen, it says the kingdom shall not be left to another people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand for how long? I'm thankful that Jesus will be the final kingdom. What do you say? We can trust in him. And whosoever shall fall on this stone, Jesus said, shall be broken, but on whomsoever shall fall, it will grind into power in other words God wants all of us to realize our dependence upon him and if we turn to him then we will be counted as being sided with him if we do not turn to him he predicts then that just as a stone crushes the image that Jesus coming will crush the final outcome and so We have a prophecy that covers over 2,625 years. Could that have happened just with a mayor person? Could a mayor person predict that? No. Who predicted it? God did. Through what? Through the Bible. Again tonight, you can trust in the Bible. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for your revelations and all that you bring to our attention in showing us that even in the kingdoms that rise and fall, that you have had a hand in all of these things. You have predicted their coming up and going down. And now we have confidence that since all these things have been fulfilled, that the last piece of the puzzle is the coming of Jesus. And our hearts pray, as with John, even so, come. Lord Jesus, amen.